0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the first day of September. It is the first Friday of September, Remember to honor Jesus, especially his most sacred heart. Um, Behold this heart which has so loved man and has been loved so little in return. Let us love Jesus. Let us love him dearly and deeply. And let us give back to him our whole hearts. Uh, We'll begin with prayer. It's noon, so we'll pray the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived for the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. And we ask the holy angels to join us here. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus, Deus Sabaot, Pleni sun et terra Gloria Tuo, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Terry's not with me in studio today. Terry is out in Texas, and he is um, doing a, um, the, he's with the Defending the Faith conference there. Um, we want to know our faith and defend it. And it's interesting, um, there is a sacred deposit of faith. Jesus Christ came to reveal the truths that God... Need that we need to know for our salvation. We need to know them. We need to know what God revealed, and so God makes His revelation known to us. We need to know God for our salvation, because God is the source of our salvation. He's the source of our being. He made everything that is, and so without God revealing Himself to us, how could we know Him or love Him or serve Him? You know, it's it's interesting that God exists is not an article of faith. You don't need faith to know that there is a God. Even the pagans know there's a God. I mean, they have this sense they have to worship something because. Because they didn't make themselves they didn't make the world and they look around them you know from from the order in the universe from the fact, the fact that there is a creation that there is beauty that there is goodness there is truth that there has to be someone who created all this there has to be a intelligent design behind it god so because god wanted us to know him but to know him rightly you see because without god revealing himself to us we couldn't know him rightly we can know that he exists. But to come to know who he is in and of himself, now that that God is a Trinity of persons, that's an article of faith. Okay, that the Son of God became man, that's an article of faith. <laughs> that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, that's an article of faith. Okay, now there's plenty of historical evidence for the fact that Jesus Christ existed and rose from died and rose from the dead. That's that. There's plenty of historical evidence for it too. But but we believe. Those things we believe because God has revealed them. And so we need faith to be able to please God. But you can have faith and not please God. Remember, Jesus said that. He said the devil has faith and he trembles. The devil never saw God face to face. All right. Never saw him face to face. He had mystical knowledge of God. But in order to get into heaven, he had to pass that test. Would he be obedient? Would he surrender his will to God? Would he surrender his preconceived notion of how things ought to be and, and buy into God's plan? And Satan said, I will not serve. Lucifer said, I will not serve. So the bearer of light became the deepest, darkest entity in the universe. So... um, He's not light anymore. He's darkness. He can appear as an angel of light, but he's not light. And he's a liar. He's a liar, a murderer and a liar from the beginning. You know, he tricked Adam and Eve. And what did he trick them into? But if you if you eat of the fruit, you won't die. No, you're going to become like God. You're going to know good and evil. You're going to become like God. Yeah, don't you want to be like God? Isn't God keeping something from you? Isn't he oppressing you by not giving you the whole truth, by not telling you everything? Yeah. And they let their trust, Adam and Eve, let their trust in God die in their heart. And they fell into the trap of thinking that they could be like God without God's help. We can't be like God without God's help. And he gives us plenty of help, and that's why he gives us the scripture, okay? So what we want to do today is we want to do a little prayer with the scripture. And then afterwards, we might look at a little uh, biblical evidence for different um, Catholic teachings. I have a page here in front of me that has, it's the, called the cheat sheet. <laughs> St. Joseph Communications put it out years ago. Biblical evidence for Catholics. and um, But we're going to pick some, so, some topics up off this page, what, what we have time for, and we'll do a couple of them so that we... Um, know why it is from scripture that we believe certain things but i want to make some comments on that also later in regards to the relationship between scripture and the church and that sacred deposit of faith as i was saying the sacred deposit of faith is first of all the son of god made man the word of god is first and foremost read the second vatican council document uh dei verbum uh, and um the word of god it's first and foremost a person. The second person of the Blessed Trinity became man and he reveals himself to us. But then there, there's also the sacred scripture that he revealed, that God inspired authors to write. It's inspired. The Holy Spirit is the primary author of sacred scripture and he used men as real authors to convey his, the truths that he wanted known for man to know because he wants to save us. And everything God reveals is for, by the way, is for the sake of our salvation. You know that statement in Vatican II, um, for the sake of their f- salvation, is not a limiting statement. Everything God revealed is for the sake of our salvation, and and then there's sacred tradition. Hold fast to what I have handed on to you, whether by word of mouth or in writing. Paul writes, so there are things that were handed on by word of mouth, sacred tradition. So, you know, the life of Christ, the sacred scripture, sacred tradition, these make up that sacred deposit of faith. And part of that deposit of faith is the church because Jesus Christ founded a church and he gave the church authority. And the church is to safeguard and pass on the sacred deposit of faith. She's not supposed to change it. She's not supposed to change the doctrines that Jesus revealed. As a matter of fact, she has no power to do so. And when she does, she no longer belongs. If she were to do so, then she would be apostatizing. And there are individuals within the church who try to do that. Oh, yeah, I know scripture says that, but we realize that scripture was wrong. You know, there are people who claim that in, in these days, by the way. It's like, really? Oh, gee, what happened? You know, scripture's wrong? Oh, dear. Um, and it's not just someone's interpretation of it. It's no, the scripture is wrong. I know the scripture clearly says that, but that's wrong. Oh, well, wait a minute. You got a problem, honey. It's the same problem the devil had. I will not serve. So let's pray a little bit because we want to know how to pray. And I, I want to begin with the book of Psalms and why the book of Psalms? Well, I remember once a priest was giving a conference to us, some young women at the MI, and he asked, if they found the prayer book that Jesus and Mary used, would you want a copy of it? We were all like, yeah, yeah. And he said, we have it. And we're like, what? Yeah, we have it. They prayed the Psalms every day. <laughs> the 150 Psalms in the scriptures. The Jews, this was their daily prayer book. So how do we begin? Well, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted near streams of water that yields its fruit in due season. And its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, this is a prayer. And the prayer says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. So how are we to walk in the ways of the Lord? By meditating on his law day and night and walking in his ways by giving up sin. Is that the end of the first session already here? Wow. There's that music. We're coming up against a break. This is Virgin Most Powerful Radio Bible with the Barbers on Friday, September the 1st, 2023. Tell all your friends and family to join us. Thank you to all our supporters. We'll be back. Have everyone join us now for this Bible study on how to pray.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888 526 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Again, Terry's not with me in studio today, but please pray for the conference that's taking place there in Texas on uh, defending the faith. Let us defend the faith not only with our, our words, but by our lives, by living it, by living it, by living it. As Father said in the sermon this morning, we have to live it. We've got to live it. So, Psalm 1 we read, the man who um, walks not in in the company of the wicked, but uh, delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on the law of the Lord, who gives up sin and clings to the Lord. This is the man. So then we have Psalm 3 where, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of me, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. For thou dost smite all my enemies on the cheek. Thou dost break the teeth of the wicked. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing upon thy people. That's a prayer of trust in God, that no matter what is assailing me, no matter what trials I'm undergoing, God will be there to defend me. And by the way, this is what happened with Adam and Eve. They didn't continue to trust that God would defend them. Okay? They let their trust in God die in their heart. And they began to doubt God when Satan said, oh, is it really true that God told you not to eat of any of the trees? No, 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 Eve says. No, 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 just this tree here, the one of knowledge of good and evil. And she's looking at it and she's there. She's tempting herself. And and the devil says, oh, really? You'll die when you eat of it? Oh, but isn't it true that you'll be like God, knowing good and evil? And this is why God doesn't want you to touch it. (laughs) They already knew goodness. They knew God. They were living in the state of grace. They had mystical knowledge of God and they could converse freely with him in prayer. But now, now there's a doubt. Oh, God's keeping something from you. There's more. There's, you could have more. And you could have it without God's help. Like the Tower of Babel, where they were going to build a tower to heaven because they were going to get there on their own. And isn't this the same temptation that we face today? This temptation went on. Israel faced the same temptation. You know, they, they were supposed to come into the land and take it when they came out of Egypt and they got there and they get to the land. And, and Joshua was going to lead them across the Jordan and and they uh, Moses is going to lead them across the Jordan. they they you know, left is left Egypt and they're there. And and Moses sends um, scouts to reconnoiter the land. And 10 of them come back and say, no, 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 we can't take the line. The people are veritable giants. We felt like grasshoppers. And they spread, spread discouraging reports among the people. But Caleb and Joshua say, no, God said we could do this. God will fight the battle for us. We have to trust in the Lord. This right here. No matter even if t- you know ten thousands were assailed against me, I will trust in the Lord. And the people didn't. They complained and they got discouraged and they wouldn't listen. And, and uh, God said, fine. You can die in the desert, and you're not going to enter the promised land. And the deal is because they wouldn't put their trust in God. And this is what happened to Adam and Eve. Instead of trusting in God, when they were tempted by the devil, whatever form he appeared in, this says a serpent. and, and the word Nahash, apparently that's the seven-headed dragon of, of um, revelation. But it couldn't have been out of fear that Adam sinned. Because when you sin out of fear, if you're coerced into doing it, it's just like that, you know, in a marriage, if you don't freely give your consent, there's no, there's no no there's no marriage. The free consent, freely given by each party, is absolutely essential to having a true marriage. Okay? So, too, to have a true mortal sin, you have to have a free human act, which means you're not acting out of fear. So Adam's not sinning out of fear when he sins in the garden. <laughs>
0: He's
1: he He let God his heart, trust in God die in his heart. God's keeping something from me, and I want it, and I'm going to get it without his help because he's not giving it to me. disobedience number one, they weren't you know if God told them not to eat of the tree, what were they doing hanging around under that tree? Come on, guys, let's get real, okay, so it's called avoiding the near occasion of sin, all right, so we know that God is our defender, we know that he's our shield. So what if we fail? What, does the, do the Psalms have any words for us for when we fail, when we, we really blew it? And it's like, yeah, try Psalm 51. This is the Psalm that David wrote after his sin. with <laughs> Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love. According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my offense. Wash me thoroughly from my sin and cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee the only have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward being. Therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones that thou hast crushed rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and put in me a new spirit. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will return to thee. Deliver me from blood-guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sound of the, uh, sing aloud, my tongue will sing aloud of thy deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou hast no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, thou wouldest not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken, contrite heart, O God, you will not spurn. Do good to Zion in your pl- good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in rightful sacrifice, in burnt offering and whole offering. Then bulls will be offered on thy altar. So when we sin, we turn back to God, trusting in his mercy. And this is what he's saying here. In sin was I conceived, you know, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Is he saying that his mother committed adultery? No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, this is a testament to original sin, that all we can pass on to our children is natural life. We can't give them God's life without the sacraments. Without the sacrament of baptism, we can't receive the life of God in our soul. That's the normal, natural means. Now, yes, we can say the prayer, "Lord Jesus, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior." Okay, but but in John, uh, John three, Nicodemus is Nicodemus, where Jesus talks to Nicodemus at night and he says, um, "Unless you are born again of water and the Spirit." You shall not have life in you. So it's a testimony to baptism and the necessity of baptism. Now, God can work outside the sacramental system if he so chooses to do so. And he can give graces. And the, the, the basic thing is to ask, do we ask God for the grace? Do we want to be saved? Or do we want to just go along? Nicodemus is chapter three of John. Yeah. So do we want, do we want to just go along with the worldly way and kind of get along? and you know, Or do we really want God to save us? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you shall be opened to you. And the Catholic Church teaches that there are three types of baptism baptism of water, normal, natural means, baptism of blood, if you die a martyr for Christ, and um, the baptism of desire. That if you truly, truly desire to know the truth and to know God, and you strive for that knowledge, you strive for that truth, your search for that truth, God will grant it to you, even if you don't have the opportunity for baptism of water, okay? So we look at these psalms, and we know, and some of these psalms tell us about the passion of our Lord, too. They're they're prophecies about what Christ will suffer. Do you think Mary and Joseph didn't have any idea what the Christ was going to suffer? Well, they knew this psalm. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my groaning o oh my god i cry by day but thou but thou dost not answer me and by night but find no rest yet thou art holy enthroned on the praises of israel in thee our fathers trusted they trusted and you delivered them to thee they cried and were saved in thee they trusted and were not disappointed but i am a worm and no man "'scorned by men and despised by the people. "'All who see me mock me. "'They make mouths at me. "'They wag their heads. "'He committed his cause to the Lord. "'Let the Lord deliver him. "'Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. "'Yet thou art he who took me from the womb. "'Thou didst keep me safe from my mother's breast, "'upon my mother's breast. "'Upon thee I was cast from my birth, "'and since my mother bore me, thou hast been my God.' "'Be not far from me, for trouble is near, "'and there is none to help. "'Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan, "'and roaring, they open their, wide their mouths at me "'like a raving and roaring lion. "'I am poured out like water, "'and all my bones are out of joint. "'My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. "'My strength is dried up as like a potsherd. "'My tongue cleaves to my jaw.' Thou dost lay me in the dust of death. Yes, dogs surround me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. But thou, O Lord, be not far off. O thou, my help, hasten to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, My life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, my afflicted soul from the horn of the wild oxen. I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. You who fear the Lord, praise him. You sons of Jacob, glorify him, and stand in awe of him. All you sons of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hid his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From thee comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth shall be remembered and turn to the Lord. All the families shall remember, shall remember. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Yes, to him shall all the proud of the earth bow down. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust. And he who cannot keep himself alive, posterity shall serve him. Men shall tell of the Lord to the coming generation and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn that he has wrought it. That's Psalm 22. Sound familiar? I'll make a comment on that after this break. Don't go away. Please invite your family and friends to join us. Share the app with everyone and all of our social media platforms. And don't go away.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: So just before the break, I read to you Psalm 22. And of course, we're all familiar with that line, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The words that Christ cried on the cross. And there are some people interpreting scriptures who say, Oh my goodness, Jesus despaired. Well, no, actually, you see, every Jew, because he prayed those psalms all the time, they sang them, too. By the way, when you sing things, you learn them much better. And so when someone sings the first line of it, when someone says the first line of it, the whole thing comes comes into your head. Think of the songs you know from the radio, and you hear one line, and, man, the whole thing just floods in, right? So not only Jesus, but everyone at the foot of the cross would have remembered the whole psalm, you know? And so, you know, yeah, he's crying out to God, and he says, you know I trust in you, but I am a worm and no man. And read the description there. You know that the people are making fun of him; they're mocking him. They they put holes in his hands and his feet. He can count all his bones. His bones are disjointed. They um, divide his garments among them on their vest on his vesture. They cast lots. Fierce dogs surround him, and yet. The end, of, it's just, it's a psalm of hope. I know that God is there defending me. Jesus wasn't despairing on the cross. There was no despair there. He cries out, yeah, he's suffering. He is suffering. But he cries out the whole thing. though, in, in, in his heart, the whole psalm is there. Yes, even in the midst of this deep, deep agony, I trust in thee. He is the God-man, and he didn't despair that his humanity did not despair. His human will didn't despair of the promises that God had made. Okay? Another beautiful, beautiful psalm to pray. Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the deadly pestilence he will cover And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you shall find refuge. His faithfulness is a buckler and shield. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked." because you have made the Lord your refuge. The most high your habitation, no evil shall befall you. No scourge come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he cleaves to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Trust in the Lord. Pray that psalm. Ask the Lord for that trust to deliver us from the enemy. And remember, our first enemy... Is, is the devil. He's, he's the enemy of all mankind. And then the greatest enemy that we have is really within ourselves because we have concupiscence. We have to fight against our own tendency to turn away from God and not trust him. So we want to read these Psalms the way Jesus, Mary, and Joseph read them and have that trust, that childlike confidence, trust that the God who made us and he He desires our salvation more than we could even desire it. He wants to save us (laughs) he wants to save us so much that the son of god became man and and lived on this earth and suffered and died to deliver us from sin and death he didn't come so that you know we could have a nice cushy house here in beverly hills or um wherever i don't know what wherever people long to live or want to live you know up on the hill where there's you know up above it all i can look down on everybody and i'm so much better than them all and you know, wherever, you know, no. He wants us to, he's building a house for us in heaven and he wants us to be there with him. But do we pray? Do we ask him for that? And of course, the prayer of all prayers, the model prayer, Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray. And he said, when you pray, you say, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes on. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Now, how does he, what is this model? First, we glorify God's holy name. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We ask that his kingdom would come. Thy will be done. Okay, so we we want the kingdom of God to come on earth. We want God's name to be glorified in us and in the world. We want his kingdom to be established. We want everyone to be obedient to the will of God, not man's will. Not the will of sin and death, not the will of the devil, who was a murderer and a liar from the beginning, but the will of God. And then we ask him to give us this day our daily bread, by the way, our super substantial bread. It doesn't just mean the food that we need to sustain our bodies. It means, first and foremost, the Holy Eucharist. Every day to feed us on the body, blood, soul, and divinity of his son, Jesus Christ, who became man and gives himself to us in the Eucharist as food for our souls and for our bodies. You know, there are saints who, by the grace of God, lived on the Eucharist, and that's a great grace, and it's not something we strive, you know, that's not something that is normal or natural. That's a particular grace that God gave to particular souls. Okay, for the rest of us, we, we live our natural lives, but everything is directed toward the will of God, and that's what the Our Father is teaching us. And so, and, of course, the greatest prayer, the greatest prayer is the Lord's own prayer, Jesus Christ prayed. You know, at the Last Supper, John, in the, cha- in, in the Gospel of John, you have this high priestly prayer of our Lord, chapters 16 and 17 of the Gospel of John, and um, just all of the, the things that he says there at the Last Supper that aren't recorded anywhere else, not because they didn't happen. But because John, writing his gospel after the other three were written, and as, as the early church, they only saw it, they saw it as a single gospel, and it was a single gospel that had a fourfold aspect. So John already knew Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, so he didn't want to repeat anything unnecessarily. So there's a couple of things in John's gospel that were told in, that are there are in all four gospels. There are some things, but most of John's gospel is different because he's telling you things that nobody else told you. Okay. So he, he has this beautiful, and of course the prayer is that Jesus himself is the new Passover. He is the new Paschal Lamb who was sacrificed. Remember in Egypt when they had to sacrifice the lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts on the lintels. Why would the blood of a lamb deliver them? Because it was a prefigurement of Christ. Because we would be delivered from the slavery of sin. Egypt represented the slavery of sin. Remember the people had fallen into idolatry in Egypt. When they get out into the desert and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God and he's up there for 40 days, the people are like, okay, Aaron, make us a god because we don't know what happened to this. Moses is yours, so we want a god to worship. So Aaron makes him a golden calf because they'd already started to worship the gods of Egypt. (laughs) And so we fall into this, this rut of following the world instead of being Christian, instead of being Christ to the world and showing the world the other way. The other way is fidelity to God, fidelity to his law, living that law. And we can only do that by praying. Hans Jagenstadter, the young man who died as a martyr because he wouldn't carry a gun in Hitler's army, he offered to be a medic. I'll, I'll sew up your wounded and take care of the sick, but I won't carry a gun. So they, they mar- he was martyred. He was from Austria. But when he was in prison, he, he wrote that he would, he would prefer to have his hands fettered to having his will fettered. He gave his will to God. And is the, the priest that was there ministering to him, he said he, just, he radiated this joy. And the fellow prisoners, there were Americans in the prison with him who came to know him. And they said the reason he was able to radiate is he read the scriptures every day. He read and prayed the scriptures every single day. Are we reading and praying the scriptures? By the way, this is what the rosary is. This is what the holy sacrifice of the mass is. Of course, the mass is Christ's own prayer. It's the perfect prayer. The rosary is a prayer where we take the words of scripture and meditate on scripture as we pray the mysteries. But the mass is Christ's prayer. There's only one high priest. There's only one sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the high priest, and he offers that sacrifice, and it hasn't ceased. The victim who immolated himself is no longer dying but lives for all eternity, that act of immolated love. The lamb who was slain still bears his scars. This is how we pray. And this is how we pray with scripture. When you go to mass, if you have to read the Bible, read the Last Supper, read the Last Supper accounts before you go to mass, read John 6 before you go to mass to prepare yourself to really enter into this sacrifice of Christ. Now, we're coming up towards the end of the program we're going to end this this section of the program and then we're going to have one more little section before we end the program and so i want to do um one little part on biblical evidence for catholic teachings certain teachings we can't do it all today this is a big sheet and has a lot here but i want to make a comment here and this is something we need to remember remember the bible did not give us the church Jesus Christ himself founded his church. And he founded his church on Peter. And he promised that the gates of hell would not prevail. And he gave his authority to them. He gave to Peter his authority to bind and loose. I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you declare bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you declare loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So he gives this authority to his to to and specifically to Peter. Um and, you know, you can look in Matthew 10, 1-4, Mark 3, 16-9, Luke 6, 14-17, Acts 1-3. Peter is always mentioned first, by the way, in every, in every list of the apostles. Okay? And then we have um, Peter speaks for the apostles in Matthew 18, 21, and Matthew 8, 29. And I hear the music, and we're coming up against the break here. So I'll have to finish this point after, and then we want to get to some other teachings that we have biblical evidence for. Don't go away. Please share this with your family and friends and let them know you have to study.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 2151 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, September the first, 2023, first Friday of September. Remember to honor Jesus, most especially his most sacred heart. Um, spend some time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Try to go to Mass today. Um, and again, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to all of those of you who um, share this with others and those of you who donate to support us, those of you who volunteer to help us and support us, our own staff and radio hosts and i want to thank the um, radio stations that pick us up stations across and other smaller radio stations that pick us up i also want to thank um the social media platforms we're on several social media platforms so i know we're on twitter and facebook and rumble and um i know there's others i don't even know the names of all the, the, the social media platforms so Pardon my ignorance. Um, I don't have time to go on them all. And then um, thank you to, to those who have offered their prayers and sufferings for us. It, really, this is, the, you know, an apostolate is the work of Christ. And it's a work for, on behalf of the church. So we can't do this work without prayer. In the Legion of Mary, they taught us that every one active member should have at least, at least 10 auxiliaries behind them praying. So we need, each of us needs, all of those of us who are here active on the front, need at least 10 people behind us praying. And so they're cloistered sisters who pray for us and um, brothers and, and um, everyone who prays and, and offers their sacrifices. So we're talking about the scriptures and the church and the relationship between them. Jesus Christ founded his church and he established the church. And it is the church who gave us the Bible. The Jews did not have a canon of scripture. Okay, they didn't have authority to establish one. It wasn't until Christ came and established His church, and He gave to His church the authority. And it wasn't until you know the councils of Hippo and in Th- Car- Carthage three ninety five, four uh, 420, twenty four eighteen four twenty, that that the actual canon of scripture was set down. Now it wasn't codified in those in those um can- in those um councils it wasn't codified it wasn't codified till the council of trent it wasn't codified till the council of trent because until the council of trent nobody you know it was yeah there was some discussion before the bishops met at carthage and and hippo in in the 300s and early 400s late 300s early 400s to say this is actually the books because there was discussion about what books belonged in the bible but once it was codified that was it until until the protestant re- revolt against the church and certain, reform, certain Protestant reformers wanted to throw out certain books of the Bible. Then it became necessary for the church to set it in stone. This has always been the scripture that was accepted by the church. So the scriptures come from the church in terms of it was the church who gave us the Bible as a book. As a book, okay? It was the church who defined which books belonged in the Bible, the Catholic Church, the bishops of the Catholic Church. So... The evidence for things Catholic in the scriptures, remember, there's also evidence from sacred tradition. It's not just the scriptures. It's not scripture alone. And the Catholic Church never taught that. And by the way, the, the Bible doesn't teach that. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches scripture alone. So, um, and so we have to look to the church because the church is the authentic interpreter of scripture. But what we want to look to today, I'm going to look um, at, at a few of the teachings on our Blessed Virgin Mary Well, why? Well, first of all, we believe that she's a virgin. Um, In Luke 127, it says that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Um, And then in Matthew 123, it says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, that's a quote from the prophet Isaiah. Remember the prophet Isaiah? Ah, Ahaz asked for a sign, and, and <laughs> Isaiah says, Is it not enough for you to weary man? Must you also weary my God? Well, then this is the sign. The virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And so Mary is, she's a virgin. That's established, all right? Now... Um, In Matthew 1.25, it talks about Joseph and it, it talks about um, he did not know her until she bore a son. And so some people say, oh well see then after she bore a son, then he knew her. Well no, in the scriptures when they say um, remember Joseph had the dream and the angel Joseph was afraid to take Mary as his wife and so the angel comes and says, "Fear not to take Mary, your wife. okay? And so then he, he does, but this until, She bore a son. Doesn't mean that he had relations with her afterwards. It's just establishing that when that Jesus was virginally conceived and virginally born. okay. And then. um, Mary, when Luke tells her that he brings his announcement, she says, how can this be since I know not man? Well, Mary, you're you're married. You're she was already married, by the way. She's betrothed. That's not just a an engagement. That's a marriage. The contract has been written up. They just don't live in the same house yet, and she, and yes, she could have had relations with Joseph at that time and had, but she didn't. How can this be? Since I know not man, so it's in her it's in her intention that she intends to remain a virgin. And this is, um, you know, the the constant teaching of the church. Mary ever virgin, Saint Jerome takes Helvidius to task because Helvidius questions the ever virginity of Mary, and Helvidius was like, no, she you know whatever, for whatever reason she couldn't be a virgin and Jerome says Jerome wrote against him, so Saint Jerome is about the same time as Saint Augustine Saint Augustine quit at four thirty he was a union man he lived to about four twenty eight so Saint Jerome lived in the late how does that work the the late 300s early 400s okay so mary was ever virgin and there is scriptural evidence for that mary is the mother of god how dare we call her the mother of god well again we go to matthew and what does the angel tell joseph the angel says to joseph he says he says fear not to take mary your wife because that because that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit and she shall bear a son and you shall call his name jesus And he will save his people from their sin. And that all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Her son is the son of God. Well, mothers, mother natures, mother persons, mothers, mother persons, not natures, he has two natures. He has a human nature and a divine nature, but he's a divine person who has taken to himself a human nature. She is the mother of the Son of God. She is the mother of God. And then we have um, Luke 1, where when she goes to visit Elizabeth, when she makes in haste into the hill country to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says to her, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? the mother of my lord the mother of my god should come to me and then in galatians 4 it says that in the fullness of time god sent forth his son born of a woman so yes yeah, she bears the son of god and again mothers mother persons <laughs> they don't mothernate they don't just mother natures they mother persons so she's also she, yes yeah, she's the mother of the human nature of Jesus, by the way, he she, he only gets DNA from her. <laughs> All his DNA matches up with Mary's. Um, he didn't have a human father. So, but Mary is, she is the mother of God. And that's not something Catholics made up. That's something the church believed from the beginning. It's something that they believe, the church believed because it's what God told them. It's what Jesus revealed, you know, And and there's so deep a mystery in the relationship between Mary and Jesus. We're not going to go into all of that now. But what about the Immaculate Conception, the idea that Mary was ever sinless? Well, um, she's considered the new Eve and the Ark of the Covenant. Well, Eve, we believe, was created without sin, right? So if Mary's the new Eve, wouldn't God have created her without sin? The ark of the covenant was without spot. It was stain, It was there was no stain. There was it was beautiful and pure and perfect. And she's the ark of the new covenant. She's the ark of the, the son of God dwells in her womb. <laughs> you know, did God prepare the place for His own? Did He prepare His own dwelling? Did God make His own mother? Someone once asked. Um, but in Luke 1:28, when the angel says to her, "Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee." The word used there, the, the Greek word tomeni, means she who has the fullness of grace in this moment, but has already had the fullness of grace up until this moment and will continue in the fullness of grace. Okay, so the angel's greeting to Mary is a testament to the fact that she's already has the fullness of grace. She's already graced by God. She's not, oh, highly favored one. Yes, that that could be a translation. But in the reality of Scripture, you you need to look for the deepest meaning. Who is the angel talking to? He's talking to the mother of God. And God has already graced her. He's already prepared her to bear his son, to bear himself, (laughs) the son of God, right? And then in the Magnificat, and and, and of course in Luke one thirty. The angel says to her, you have found favor with God. Well, God favors those who keep his word. And Mary kept the word of God. She kept it so perfectly that the word of God became flesh in her womb. Do we stop and think about what this means? That God chose her. We didn't chose her. The church didn't choose her. God chose her. God did. God did this. This isn't our work. If you denigrate the Blessed Mother, you're not denigrating Mary. You know, there was, a, there was a preacher, I think it was Jerry Mattertix, was having this debate with this Protestant preacher, and he said, oh, Mary was just a dirty rag that God used and threw aside. And I just about, I wasn't at the debate. I was at home listening on the radio, and I was like, oh, how can you say that about God? What are you saying, that we're just dirty rags that God does has no concern for us at all? We're just dirty old rags that he uses and throws aside? Excuse me, that was a statement about who God was. That wasn't denigrating Mary. That was, you know, whoa. So, and then the, the last one, because I, the clock is running down here. Mary in her Magnificat says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. Look up the Magnificat in Luke. 146 following so we are coming to the end of our program today i hope you enjoyed it i enjoyed it i love praying with scripture and i it's such a powerful way to pray and when you pray your rosary i hope you do get your scriptures out and read those meditations read those mysteries so that you know what it is that you're supposed to be meditating on thank you for joining us on virgin most powerful radio and on bible with the barbers thank you for supporting us thank you for listening please please share the app Share the knowledge of this uh, wonderful programming with everyone you know. We have lots of great programming. You can go back and listen to podcasts. Invite your friends and families to come. If you're feeling down, just pop on one of our programs and, and do share that. We do have a Bible study. We Catholics love the Bible. This is our heirloom. This is our family heirloom. We love it. This is God's holy word, and we love it, and we reverence it. Be back next week. Please, God.